Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, you know that film you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did? Well, I call those black hole films, and this podcast is all about checking those films off our list and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate and review it, leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening to it. It really does make a difference to helping more ears tuning in. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 78, and I'm joined by Ed Gast Donnelly, a filmmaker who's responsible for films such as This Beautiful City, Small Town Murder Songs, and most recently Lavender, which you can check out on Netflix. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I'm Jeremy. I haven't seen the movie. I'm Ed, and I have seen the movie. But you haven't seen it in a while. Well, you picked it. So what was your choice for picking it? Was it good to shame me for not having not seen it? Partly that, probably. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was, um, I think you, I think you'd made some post once upon a time. There was like a VHS tape. And I have the VHS tape of this movie because it was a, a, a stole from set deck on my last movie. Oh, yeah. You mentioned it was, that. So, and, uh, and I have a love for them. I mean, there's a giant Jack Burton poster um, next to my desk. So for me, it's just like an iconic... It'd be like not seeing. Well, then again, you didn't see Princess Bride. I saw that was one of your. I've seen it. I have, you have, I have seen, seen it now, Princess right. Bride. Yeah, yeah. But the, like, the, but for me, it was it, Alan Backus from Harold Greenberg who hadn't seen it. Oh, okay. But it was, it, for me, it was as, as iconic to my childhood. Yeah, we're about the same age. So it was like that was for me like Goonies or like you hadn't seen Goonies. Have you seen Goonies? I've seen Goonies okay. many, 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 many. many. <laughs> I literally just watched it again like a week ago with my son, who has also seen it many times. Nice. Uh, it's funny for me, like this movie, I always got it confused because I have a distinct memory of this, like the poster of this movie and just like the box art too, just from, I grew up in a small town. So I spent a lot of time in the video store and I remember like the posters on the wall, but I would always get it confused with, um, like the, uh, the escape from New York movies. Mm. And I always think that it was one of those. Right. And for some reason I wasn't allowed to watch those yet or something. And then I think by the time I got old enough to, I had passed on from, I think it was just like these, this movie came out in this weird window where I wasn't quite, my parents wouldn't let me watch it for whatever reason. And then by the time I was probably old enough, it wasn't on the shelf anymore. Like the copy broke and they never bought a new one because it was a small town. Right. So I feel like that's my only excuse for having not seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) my dog group is having a nightmare. (laughs) Um, yeah, and it, uh, it's, it's funny, like, actually, the best thing you should do if, after watching this, and if you like it, is to watch it with the director's commentary, because it's, it's, I watched this, and The Thing, and maybe Escape from New York, and it's all, but, because it's, it's, um, uh, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell sitting down together, and because there's, like, they're old buddies that made these movies years ago, they're so funny together, yeah. so it just, like, I loved, it was such a great band, and I actually don't, don't really like watching commentaries anymore like I think I did when they first came out because it was, it was yeah. neat but then I just for me usually I'm not going to sit down and watch the same movie again right away or no I was the same way like, I, I used to put commentaries on when I was in film school and they just started up because it was it was kind of a w- way to get interviews with people that you didn't normally get interviews right. with sometimes and then some of them were bad and some there, but there's there are some that are amazing but I found I'll only kind of put one on sometimes I'll put it on the background 
like the way I would a podcast mm-hmm. if I'm doing like taxes or something. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I can devote f- at least 50% of my brain to this while I'm doing this menial task. Uh, and I'll find sometimes if there's an, if it seems like an interesting commentary, I've heard good things about it. It's the only time I'll, I don't take a lot of risks on commentaries right. these days. But they were, they were just so funny together. I think maybe I just turned it on for like shits and giggles and then suddenly discovered, like I just got, I don't know that I planned to watch the commentary, like watch yeah, the yeah, commentary yeah. and then just got sucked, sucked into you it. In. And, uh, I don't know. There's just such a nostalgic charm to, to this. I mean, it's not certainly not the thing. I mean, I think that thing is like a, just a great movie period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, totally it is in the escape from New York vibe, I would say like this, but like, this is way more intentionally fun. I think that yeah. one's like, a, it, I totally, I haven't seen that one in a long time, especially the first one. It seemed a bit more serious and, it's an, and then like, then they made fun of itself when it became escape from LA. Cause I think that was like his second movie or something like that too, escape from New York. Um, so it was I, early on, yeah. So it, I don't think it had like a, the same kind of tonal clarity as some of his. And again, I haven't seen a. I mean, I'm not actually. I mean, I've never seen. I've actually never seen Halloween. Uh, we did it already. Podcast already. Uh, but I, so, but you know, it's like, so like iconic, and the theme song obviously is so iconic. Um, that's actually one of the things that, too that I was interested about. This with, so I went and bought the Mondo put out the soundtrack on vinyl just recently. It's just like a stunning art and like the actual record is just stunning and they put up those pins and, yeah. uh, um, and then the, the board game came out as well. And, uh, I didn't know there was a board game. Oh, it's like, it's an, it's, it's got like crazy miniatures and, uh, that's fun. If you're going to do it, do it properly. And I'm tempted, uh, that you can actually, I'm tempted to actually send my copy of the game or at least all the miniatures off to like a painter to actually get the, cause I can, I'm, I'm, I'm as, as nerdy as I am about board games, like I would never. I'm, I can't, I'm not going to sit down and paint them. No. But this is like, when I saw the set painted, I, it would cost like, I think $500 to get them painted, but I'm like, I can't I, spend that money, but how could I not? I'm sort of torn because it's still like, so... It's a price point you're like, that's a bit high, but it's not so high, yeah. I couldn't potentially justify it if I put these on my shelf. I mean, it's not like buying a car. I mean... No. <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a gift you give to yourself. Yeah, and don't tell... Your wife. No, exactly. <laughs> so much fun. All right, well, should we dive in? Sure. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, we just finished. I had no idea what the story was going into it whatsoever. And I realized that as we started to watch. Like, I knew kind of the aesthetic of it. Also, it's John Carpenter, so you, you can take a gander that it's going to be the best movie in the world. Yeah. Neon-ish and, and dark. Uh, so let me get this straight. I'm just trying to summarize because I was trying to constantly check in and out of the story as it was going along because there's just so much happening. I was like, so the story is Kurt Russell just happens to stop by Little China and meets up with a guy he used to know in California and uh, who he makes a ridiculous bet with. So he owes him like a thousand dollars and change. One thousand one hundred and forty-eight, I think, is yeah. the number. But double or nothing. Double or nothing, because he can't cut a bottle in half. Uh, and then they go to the airport. Yep. That looks not like an airport. That's a bus terminal at best. <laughs> is where they shot that. <laughs> uh, I also love how, uh, like, how a knife slash gun slash whatever else fight breaks out in that vicinity. If that happened today. Be on lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did actually th- dawn on me. I was like, "Wait a minute, is that like 
where you actually, is that like the, the, the gate? And it's like, okay, no, no, no. Suspension of disbelief. That's probably actually after you've left customs or whatever. Like, yeah. So, cause I did. That's the arrivals. Yeah. That's the arrivals. So I was into like, cause yeah, the, the knives and guns and, and what. Oh, but still that, that happened at like Pearson airport. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today we on lockdown. Nobody would be leaving that area for, yeah. for hours. Um, so they leave there. But who doesn't have a gun in 1986? Yeah, Exactly. So he's meeting his green-eyed fiance, yeah. who we don't know how they met. I don't think. He's known her since childhood. Known her since childhood. And he, remember, he worked. He came over here for five years, worked his fingers to the bone, they and then now he can bring her over. Uh, and then they get randomly dropped into two warring street gangs. Well, first they met Gracie Law, who was there to pick from up Gracie Law. some other what? girl from China to protect her rights. Her civil rights, right? And because she got because that, that's what was a little bit confusing about how she fit into the whole thing. Because then she seemed to know everyone. I guess she was like she worked in the neighborhood because she worked with foreign. Yeah, people, for she's foreign like rights. a lawyer for foreign rights or something. Or, Gracie Law. That's yeah. her name. Yeah, <laughs> so it actually sounds like the name of like a '90s TV show. Yeah. Oh, it's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, fit, it was ahead of its time <laughs> in '86, uh, and then. And and all of that, compared to the rest of the movie, feels grounded. Yeah, feels like we're in a real world. And then all of a sudden, just rant. Like, those three guys come out of the sky. With those the Lords gi- of Death. The Lords of Death with those giant hats. Oh no, those are the three storms. Sorry. The three storms. Sorry, yeah, yeah. The Lords of Death were the other the, guys. The mass dudes in the in the in the sports car. Yeah, uh, and Lao Pang. Lao Lo, uh, Pan. Lo David Pan. Lo Pan. David Lo Pan. David Lopin. Is David his modern name? He's been around for 2,000 years, right? Yeah, I guess he, he he has a name in, I'm sure, Mandarin that we don't understand. But, yeah. Uh, and they yeah. just call him David. Um, so he he needs to just marry this green-eyed girl? Well, he needs to marry a green-eyed girl to appease the, the god of the east and then sacrifice her to appease like the spirit of this emperor. And then break the curse so he can become flesh again. Yeah. And rule the universe from beyond. But his plan is, like, because he's got two girls with green eyes, he thinks he can trick them? Well, I think he was going to get a two-for-one special where he could, like, marry one. He was going to have to marry one and kill her. But now he's like, oh, I'll marry one. Marry them both. Kill the kill Gracie Law. And then I will have Mao Yin for my pleasures. Makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting because you could probably... Take Kurt Russell out of this movie, and the movie would still function. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Outside of the fact that he 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 kills David. I mean, I'm just gonna call him David. <laughs> that's enjoyable for me. Uh, and that's so underwhelming. That moment where he I know we're jumping, I'm jumping all over the place, but that's the moment where he kills him. It's just like because he throws the knife at him real quick. And then with lightning-like reflexes, he catches the knife. But it makes you realize why the whole chopping of the bottle was needed. Because he's like, where he's like, oh, in the reflexes, they're doing a You're callback right. to the ref- to his crazy reflex they established in the opener. Yep, fair. That's the that was that was the setup for that that moment at the end. So yeah, so give me some. Co- I, I, and, and part of me loves a movie where you're just dropped into it and mm-hmm. having to. F- play catch up and figure it out. They really put you in the point of view of uh, Jack, Kurt Russell's character. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah, I mean, and he's a dummy, so I mean, so like, he's kind of are we, we because we don't understand what's going on. But, um, 
What I find funny is, like, I remember just reading, I was looking it up on, like, it's got, like, an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is like, bonkers. <laughs> if that movie came out now, it would be a solid 30. But you gotta, maybe. I guess you gotta think of it as, like, it is batshit cult classic. Like, that's just what yeah. it is. Like, it's not, you know, it's not that it's, like, a fucking Scorsese movie or no. something. But, and I, and I love it for that. Like, there is, and it's one of those things, too, like, there's so many, like, you know, classic cult films that are like, whereas like Carpenter, I think like the thing is, I think actually just properly a really good movie. Like I, I yeah. think things are just a really like full stop. I think it's a really good movie. Um, but that's even like, you look at like, you haven't seen Halloween, but even like Halloween is just a solid, clean genre. Movie, yeah. You know, where you look at this is like, this is batshit insane. Yeah. You know, like this, this just reeks of cocaine, but it's just, <laughs> but it's for me, it's, it's the humor and the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously. I think a lot of movies like this. If this movie took itself seriously, People would it'd be Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah. uh, riffing on it. But because it's so tongue-in-cheek and it's like... Oh, he's constantly make, winking. Yeah. So, and I think that's why... And the funny thing is, so anyway, when I was looking at those reviews that gave it, you know, uh, that it still was... And all these reviews are obviously fueled by nostalgia, but um, uh, except for Ebert. He didn't like it, but, <laughs> but that's why he's dead. Um, uh, they were like, well, the, the plot is like so hard to follow. And I was like, really? But I realized... As I'm listening to them talk, I'm like, I actually know all this. I've, I've known it since I was a kid. So I just sort of take it as like, I yeah. don't know, it's like the Bible's fucking confusing, right? But if you've been fed it since a child, you know, be like, oh yeah, well, all this weird stuff just happened, right? Yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, I will say, as an adult, having seen it my first time, I was confused <laughs> as fuck through the whole thing. And I was just like grasping, so I was going like... And it's one of those things you go, am I overcomplicating it? I, I think I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Sure, now there's weird rat things. <laughs> and yeah, okay. This is any, anything goes, I guess. And there's like a wolf man and uh, a- anything can happen in little China. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Your your rules are there are no rules. Carry on. Yeah. But I mean so it's funny, like, I think like, yeah, when you see it as a kid, you just sort of take it at face value and you don't question the the or certain stuff just goes over your head, but you're just sort of following the story and then like but all the cause it, it, it not not to say uh I mean you have to remember, somebody actually got paid to write that screenplay. <laughs> That's just it. That is it. There's some scenes, and it's funny too. I think you look at, you know, the way we make movies today, and it's like, and you know, it's kind of beat into us that it's like every scene has to have a purpose and a turn in every little moment. Whereas, like, you, there's so much stuff in there that is just there for no reason. <laughs> I don't, well, it's funny. There's certain. Time, I actually have a question whether for no reason. Like, I think they have. I can see the intent. Now, I've now seen the movie enough times that I was like, "Oh, like, why are you doing this?" It's like, okay, but it's just for like, it's. It might be. It's. It's thin at best. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I just mean it's just stuff that I'm like, you would take a hatchet to this. Yeah, now, yeah. Unfortunately, but it's some of the really great little nuanced moments that really make it. Like the like the bit of him just. After he he kisses Kim Cattrall in the elevator, and just has the makeup still on him for yeah. a long beat, and then they make a, a, a an exaggerated effort of wiping it off, and then he's completely clean. What well, like the funny thing you're like, oh, so underwhelming when he kills the pet. I'm like, that's actually what I think is so kind of great though, because they're like, you expect it's gonna be this epic boss battle, and it's just like, fling, fling, like he throws a knife, misses, and then like it's the guy's dead, and. It's like the complete antithesis because he's an idiot. Like he can't, he wouldn't yeah. survive like an actual fight with this guy. Is oh like, no! Like he's just uh, like for me. It's like my favorite was like when he like fires the machine gun into the ceiling and the ceiling collapses on his head and knocks him unconscious right in the middle of the fight. And it's just like that's so like there, there's like well that's the great thing about with with uh, David is that it's like the idea that he want he wanted nothing more than to have his body back, mm. but that's what kills him. Yeah, you know that's that's the nice. Come up into that. 
I love you. You mentioned what we were watching, and they're at the. Is it a brothel they're at? Yeah. The, the ceiling is like an inch thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it gets ripped up, it's like, yeah, that's why that thing would easily be destroyed. If anyone like. <laughs> These guys aren't magical. They just like. They just start. They just fucking stepped in your room and Yeah, it was through. a strong wind. Yeah. That's, that was not their finest set design. That's where you, really, you feel like the production designer was like assured that the camera would never look up that high or yeah, something. You're like never going to see the ceiling. Yeah, you're right? never going like, to see this. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like literally uh, an inch at best. It was like like half an inch of plaster. It's just plaster. Yeah. And it's raining during the scene. So you're like, that roof is going to be destroyed by the end of the <laughs> night anyway. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe there was actually a roof that got removed that we didn't see. Like they were chipping away at it before the, the scene started. Phenomenal. Yeah, where do you? It's just so. And what is the? And you said you were you were looking it up, and they're, and they're doing a sequel with The Rock, and then not a reboot or a remake, a sequel. And apparently, it's an actual sequel. How does that work? I don't know. I mean, the crazy thing is, like, I mean, the movie has like a lot of fans, like like Mondo. Well, I mean, it makes sense that they put out um, uh, the record. I think maybe said, oh no, it's not the thirtieth anniversary because that was eighty six. So they just did this. So I mean. It's John Carpenter, and like his music is iconic. So for them to put out this special double disc vinyl, um, that makes sense. And uh, and they put out some cool pins, and then they put out well, actually a completely different company put out this stunning board game that's like a hundred dollars, but like crazy components and stuff. But I guess it's I guess maybe because it's coming up on thirty years, or I don't know, like why like why now a little bit like yeah. Um, well, they're just looking at any. I mean, right now it's just any any IP that it's it's just. There's this great book I read um, years ago called "Buy Baby Buy B U Y," and it talks about nostalgia. Mm. You ever heard of nostalgia? Mm-mm. So nostalgia is the idea of uh, taking stuff that we loved as kids and reselling it back to us through our kids mm. and getting it. So the idea that that's why Star Wars does so well and bring in now that you know. Because the idea is like we love that kind of stuff as a kid, and we want our kids to love it. Mm. So we'll buy them the stuff that we love, or that our parents wouldn't buy us. So they're selling even more of it. So mm. it's like all the all those toys that we didn't get as a kid that we wanted. Now we're willing to buy our kids because and it, nostalgia is the marketing hmm. term they call it. It's funny because like in the case of like that board game, that's like an adult board game. Like that's not for kids. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a big, massive. It's a double sided board. The whole end, the second half of the game is the the big showdown in his lair in like some crazy in, in the neon lair yeah in the neon underground yeah, lair with, the, the with elevator. an elevator <laughs> that goes into a giant I presume that's maybe the god that he's oh that little thing they come out of that at the bottom well of the no elevator. remember there's like a, at the top of the elevator escalator there's this, this six armed yeah thing there's like okay maybe that's the god that they he's gotta appease yeah that makes sense Steve, you're like, that, one, David, David, that one thing makes sense. It's David's uncle, Hank. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Uh, I, I got to see this board game at some point. It is very, very cool. And uh, like I said, like, yeah, the, the I, I, I'm just even thinking about it now, I want to rewatch the, like the, because um, it's like over 10 years or 15 years since. The commentary track? Yeah, which is probably actually the last time I saw the movie. I think I tried getting my wife to watch it once, so, you know, in the past several years. And she wasn't super into it, so we got divorced. I'm kidding. But, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> there are all those moments in relationships, though, where you, just, <laughs> yeah. like, you try to show someone something and it's like, oh, you're not into this. Well, she's, huh. she's never actually seen Star Wars. Wow. I know. Wow. My and wife. May, maybe that's why we're still together, though, because if she were to watch it and not like it, then it would be over. But, like, right now, it's, we're still. 
As long as she doesn't see it, it's, yeah. it's good. My wife and I have a very thin Venn diagram of like where we meet on a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. But there is weird stuff. Like tonight, like I mentioned we were watching this thing. She got really excited. <laughs> and, and it's one of those few ones that she's seen that I haven't. Uh, but she had fond memories of it, probably because her brother was into it. And she was young enough to, to nerd out about it. But I think it's like it's one of those things where you just, I think if you... It's not obviously not about the plot. You know, it's more if you just sort of embrace the style and the, the fun. Like it's just everybody on that movie is clearly having fun when they made it. That's it's, it. And, and I know you said too the the nostalgia of it. I think it's like the kind of movie that it's like if you grew up with it, you just you let a lot of shit go. Yeah. Um, and I'm crit- it's funny. There's certain movies I'm critical of that maybe so I thought they were actually good. Like when I was younger and then see again now, you know. And I think, but like this one, you like you knew it was a B movie at the time. It was unapologetically like a crazy B yeah. movie. And, but it just, there's just something about it, the, you know, I guess it is, it comes back to the fact that it's just tongue-in-cheek enough, but also it put in enough effort to sort of just be, to do everything at a certain level. Like, I think it's like, it's $25 million in 1986. That's a substantial amount of money. That's, that's not a small movie. Yeah, that's like, probably like a $60 million movie now, or maybe even a bit more, I forget, I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, well, there's tons of sets, there's tons of just like all the, the, the visual creatures they're creating. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, tons of just back like fights and backgrounds and just crazy. All the extras and the yeah. choreography and the uh, and there's that one. I mean, some of it's cheesy and bad. The effects and yeah. whatnot uh, and dated, but there's that one of the giant like eyeball creature kind of thing that's yeah. just like floating there and then goes away. That was very impressive. Yeah, no, there's a the few. Time. It's like there's certain things like certain things effects in the thing look really like cheesy Play-Doh, and, and then you'll see a few that look just like. Oh, really that's where you put money. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, that thing that looks like a beholder out of D&D. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah. And again, like, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of things where like, I, I'm often impressed sometimes when you see like a great, it's like when you see Star Wars, you can go back, like there's certain spots you can sort of see where the green screen breaks down or something, but where you actually like, the, like it all just, a lot of it looks still great. Like it's, it's amazing like, yeah. you, uh, of what they pulled off just without... CGI and stuff like that, and yeah, uh, well, we tried. I, I, I had a buddy of mine gave me the copy of the despecialized version, uh-huh. uh, and we watched it for for the for the podcast, and and that was the first time I'd seen it without all the bells and whistles in it for since I was a kid myself. And part of me almost just preferred that. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's something that just works about this. Like, That's one where they just took the HD but took out all the effects, right? Yeah, but even like, cause even and and I was surprised by how much. Uh, had been tweaked over the years. Like, even just like the the screens that he's looking at in his cockpit, right. they, they replaced all of those huh. over the years and just made them a little more high tech looking. Right. Uh, so it's just all like little details here and there. But it's like you watch it and it's like it's fine. You know, it's made nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, you're not, you're not judging it for that. I mean, the irony then is, of course, you look at something like was it which one was it Rogue One or like where. Yeah, where like they make everything look exactly like the first movie, and so that they slavishly make it look like it was shot in the seventies, uh, in terms of like the the yeah. tech on the screen, like and that and I, you can go you can, somebody cut it, um, you, you know, on YouTube where they take the last five minutes of Rogue One and but it and cut it to the first five minutes of. Uh, of New, New Hope. Hope, and probably like maybe a little bit of color timing to Mad, but it's like maybe not. Like maybe they didn't even time it, but it's just like it is a it's a seamless yeah. cut. Oh, uh, I gotta watch that. It just it just really makes you appreciate. Even though I didn't really like that movie, the um, little detail. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's, this, it's just so slavishly uh, authentic to yeah. you're embracing like you're embracing all of that the design aesthetics and just really sort of doubling down on it. And, yeah. Well, however you feel about Rogue One, I think it's like that last five minutes is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah it's pretty <laughs> badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, then, except then you're like, why didn't he fight Obi Wan like that? There, you, <laughs> you got to exactly, especially when you take out the, the prequel. Oh, which is the the way they fight in the prequels is ridiculous. Yeah, like they're ballerinas. It's, it's yeah. just bonkers. Speaking of fights, that those scenes with with Wang Chi and that one of the storms were like they're like leaping apparently forty fifty feet through the air. Yeah, and just like doing like while they're flying through the air, swinging blows. And this is a dude who works at like a fucking fishmonger, right? It's like I, I get the thing on that. I'm like, this guy, where is he trained in yeah, any of this? Just, just because, just because he's Chinese, he just instantly knows kung fu and like yeah. Uh, he Kurosawa keeps on calling that other guy Egg. Is that just a racial slur? No, his name's Egg Shen. Okay, I thought he was like a, a an egg roll oh. crap. <laughs> oh like, no, no, yeah, no, his name's actually Egg Shen. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. Well, you know, I mean, that's the, the challenge of like movies of this era. I was actually, I will say, the one thing that I was pleasantly surprised about was, I mean, I'm sure you can go back through and pinpoint specific areas, but I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh my god, they're just like really riffing on Asian stereotypes," yeah, and making fun of it. It's like I didn't feel really any of that. No, I mean, like, the, the, I think, the, if anything, they riff on the classic kind of, like, kung fu movie, like, tropes. Sure. But but not at the expense of any character. And not in, in any way that feels, like, racially insensitive. No, and it's funny thing is, like, the one line that, like, Carrasso said, he's like, what I thought, in a way, was that you and I, racial differences aside, we're a couple of friends. Like, that's the one where, like, he kind of has, like, he... You sense that Jack's maybe a little racist, but, but they never put that in the movie anywhere else. Like, it's kind of like a... No. A, but... And he, he's just a moron, right? That's the thing that's, like... He just, yeah, he can say anything. It's fine because he's the idiot. Yeah, but yeah. he actually, but he still doesn't. Like he's more like you know, and, he, and even like he's not overly sexist. Like he's even though he's like flirty, like he's not. It's a funny balance where like you totally expect him to just be like making like racially insensitive jokes and just totally treating women like shit. But like he, he's flirty, but I don't think he ever says anything. Like you know what I mean? Like he's like obviously hitting on Gracie Law. Yeah, I think they've got a sexual attraction to each other. But like there's a. It's funny, like he, he just by through like a, a modern lens, you would expect him to be like it to be like worse. that. They were the women were just. I mean, the women are objects to the bad guy, but that's different. Like it's like I, a lot of these movies, the general consensus was that women were just objects, and like yeah, making racist jokes was just cool. Like you know, you know, from, from thirty years ago. But it's actually interesting that yeah, they, they uh, it's a remarkably progressive <laughs> movie for its time. <laughs> For that, for that aspect, for that, yeah, the yeah. women are definitely just there to fulfill, like. But but they're comically so. It's funny, like they, they, uh, what I like is that they double down, and that's I think why people like it. Like the reporter is so ridiculous, Grace. They're ever they're just like so over the top. Where they're they're not. If they were less over the top, they would just be like sex object, or like Grace Law would just be sex. But yeah. she's so nuts in that like everybody is like turned up to eleven. That's what the movie's basically turned up to eleven. Across the board, and it just I think manages to be, this. It sits in its. There is not a comparable movie. I was nervous in the first in that opening scene with Kurt Russell in the uh, in the truck when he's, oh, yeah. when he's like narrating, just yeah. like letting us know about who he is as a guy as he's eating that giant hoagie. hoagie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just suddenly going, oh, you're really intense. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this for an entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it evens out and it becomes like a little little something else. Well, it's interesting because like, you look at like the character of like Snake Plissken from uh, 
um, uh, Escape. Escape from New York, New York, he's got the same bravado, but that character, I think, takes himself more seriously, doesn't he not? Like, there's like, well, he's not, like... He's more competent, too. Like, yeah, he can yeah. actually kick ass. Where, I mean, maybe that's probably why they decided to make this. After they've done a couple of things where he's been the tough guy, he's like, you know what? I'd really love to play Snake Plissken, but he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Right? And he can't He can't even get, a, like, uh, you know, the, the, the gun out of his pocket without shooting himself in the foot. Like, that would be the kind of... Thing, probably That was probably the sales pitch. Um, yeah. Because he was riding on such a, a high after... Um, after that. Well, what was it? I mean, was or after Halloween and stuff like that. Like, he, and that and then did well, I think. You know, actually, maybe... Or maybe that one didn't. I can't actually remember how well it did. Just in terms of where what movies of his had made money. Game. He must have had some. He must have been on a high because. Well, Halloween did super well. I mean, Halloween spawned an entire franchise. But did it do well? It was one of those movies. Like, did it do super well at the? I guess it must have. Yeah, because the sequel, sequel, yeah, sequel came out right away. Yeah. I mean, originally it was designed. Halloween was always meant to originally be an anthology. Like they they did intend to if it did well to do more and more. Um, and they and the third one is like a story that has nothing to do with mm. Michael Myers, but that was always the plan. Uh, but what? But then they decided to do this, the second one as a continuation right away, and then and then start the anthology. Mm. But people were just like, "What the fuck is this? We want we, we want Michael Myers." Yeah, yeah. And so that then turned into whatever the hell it is right. now. Because yeah, I mean to get that. I mean that was just, he uh, he obviously was doing well enough in his career that like just to get that to get this much money for this crazy a project. Yeah, this is not a low-budget movie. Like, how much cocaine was that executive doing to say yes to this? <laughs> like, well, that's just like, it. You just, you look at it. It's just, like, I think, I'm just trying to, I, it's one of those scenarios where I'd love to be a fly on the wall of that pitch. So, I guess, I mean, Kurt Russell was, a, was massive at the time, right? Like, and this, was, this movie did not do well. Like, this was a bomb, financially. And it was and it was panned. And it's funny that it, that's why when he's like, "Oh, it's got an eighty-two on Rotten Tomatoes right now." That's I was looking at the review dates. Those are all contemporary, like since two thousand and on reviews. The original reviews because that doesn't those don't really show up yeah, yeah, on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. So you know it was panned, um, and, and in many ways as it should be. But then there's like an undeniable charm to it that obviously a lot of people latch onto. It's like and, and maybe it is. Like, I don't. It's not like quite in the it's not in the like so bad it's good that like in something like The Room which is just like it's just, just utter, that's just not no because like, utterly... this movie self-aware and knows yeah. what it's doing it's yeah. not here's the thing it's weird it's not a good movie yeah but it's it's a great one yeah well that <laughs> but, no but you're you're not wrong it's like that's the idea is that you, look at, like, you say it's not Scorsese it's yeah. not like you know clear just like genre like intensity so you're like but it is it's it's great in what it's doing, yeah. Because it's so aware of what it's doing, you know. And it's like, I mean, in terms of it, it's no one's career best, yeah, know, yeah. In terms of like the actors or things, like that. but like, like you said, they're all having fun. They all know the kind of thing they're making, and what they're making is bonkers, yeah. Like, so I imagine like that's how you get a movie like this made. Is you get Kurt Russell's on board, and then. That's it, probably it, just, it. Like, I, you say, like, oh, from the guy who did Halloween and uh, Escape from New York. Or I don't forget what... Those were, those were definitely both before this. So he was... Yeah, and he had one other big hit, I think. And that's probably all too. they needed. That, plus Kurt Russell. Like, sure. action. And they mm-hmm. went, this is the amount of money we're willing to give you for it. And like, great. We'll see you in a year. What I think... I remember actually thinking... In the, in the, it's in the commentary where they're talking about what seemed... Like, that whole opening scene with the dude who plays Deep Throat from the X-Files. Uh, and it's like... Remember, and he's like... He's interviewing Egg Shen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it, it's a flash forward. Yeah, and it, 
And like that was something where like the studio, because I think eventually once the studio saw the movie, they were a little bit like, "What the fuck have we done?" <laughs> and uh, you could smell the reshoot on that one. No, and he was talking about that how that they they insisted that that was added after the fact, and I don't know really what it adds. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like it's sort of it is a weird way to open this movie. Yeah, like kind of it makes the most sense probably, which is probably how it originally started. Just start with him in the truck. I guess I guess the one thing it does do is that it ends with him doing that lightning effect. So it at least seeds that. But at least you know it's basically saying like magic and batshit. I guess because you coming. know because I guess yeah. Otherwise, the first fifteen minutes is really normal, and then or like first twelve, whatever. Like until until those guys it, drop out of the sky. Yeah, and then you'd be like, "What the fuck? This is not the movie I signed <laughs> yeah. up for." So yeah, that's probably the, was their note. They're like, "Give us something weird in the first minute or two, just and to set then you can take fifteen minutes to set everything up." Yeah, sorcery magic. Great Courage, Six Demon Bag, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, because I mean, most of the, most, I mean, Kurt Russell's still alive, Kim, Kim's still alive. You gotta think if they're doing, if it's gonna be a sequel, you gotta bring back Kurt Russell to, in some capacity. Yeah, maybe. Even for just a cameo. Yeah, I mean, Egg Shen, I forget that actor's name, he's not alive. Dennis Dunn is who plays Wang. I've, I was looking because one of these things that when I, when, I think it was when I, when the board game, I, I, like I pre-ordered this game, and it just made me start to wonder, like, hey, I wonder where these guys are now. And it's actually even funny in the commentary track. Even Kurt Russell was like talking about, like, you know, like he had fun with Dennis, and, and he was like, I wonder where he is now, like, you know, just because. Um, and uh, so some of those people are definitely. I mean, some of them aren't necessarily. Especially like some of the guys that play the storms. I don't know if they're actually. Like one of the guys, you know, had such you know a thick accent. That he's probably not working in America. But he's, he's probably hired because he's a great martial artist. Right? Oh, like, that guy! Yeah, every guy time exploded. he every time he talked, you could just hear the line read from yeah, John yeah. Carpenter. Yeah. Say it like this is the word. Say yeah. it like this. Which is ironic because he was like everybody else spoke perfect English except for him. Yeah, um, he was the one guy that was actually never never left Chinatown. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if he was actually like the fight coordinator and then they lost a guy and he stepped in or something like yeah. that because like uh, he, always, he obviously had a bunch of physical skill as opposed to the dude armed with the two back scratchers <laughs> yeah those weapons are bonkers like David the one was spring forks in the hands the back scratchers and then one guy had proper weapons yeah. that looked like scary knife things yeah but <laughs> the back scratchers are just they're like, weird that's all they are. Like, and they're not even sharp looking. Maybe that's the point. He's like, I. It's like, it's like that line from uh, from uh, Robin Hood. <laughs> he's like, I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. And afterwards, he's like, Why, brother? Why a spoon? He's like, Because it would hurt more, you fool. Like, yeah. Um, that's how strong I am. I don't need to be sharp. I don't need to sharpen. I will literally scratch your flesh from your body with these dull metallic back scratchers. Which Robin Hood was that? Not the Kevin Costner. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. That's my Robin Hood. Because that's, uh, um, what's his face? Is the bad guy. Alan Rickman. Yeah, so that was Alan Rickman being like, I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. Because it'll hurt more, yeah. Uh, oh, bless Alan Rickman. Yeah. Uh, the new one looks bonkers. With, with Tiger Egerton. Oh, I haven't actually, I, I knew that, I knew it was existing. I haven't seen the trailer for it yet. But. They just, I think, I, I saw something on the weekend and, and there was like a full trailer in front of it. It was just like, I don't not want, I don't not want to watch this. I don't need to see this right away. I mean, funny, because I remember when I saw that it was existing, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense that they haven't put it in, like, it's well, been a while with the Sins of Robin Hood, and that's kind of like a free IP, Russell right? Russell Crowe one um, with, uh, 
Oh, not right. Not too long ago. Right. So it wasn't that long ago. Right, and that one didn't do well, though. I guess that's why I sort of maybe took it. They're rebooting it again. Yeah. But I guess it's free IP, right? I mean, that's just like a folktale, so it's kind of like... Yeah, anyone can make a Robin Hood story, as far as I can think of. And especially yeah. if you're... They're con- I, I think, and they constantly just try to reimagine how to turn him into what, what that folk hero means now. And dealing with uh, fancier weapons. And how to, how to really ramp up that arrow work. I still like Robin Hood Men in Tights. So good. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't gotten my kid into Mel Brooks yet. That's next. I think I got, my wife is a, is a big Mel Brooks fan, so I think that's in the cards for my son to start. Yeah, I haven't gotten my kids to watch movies other than like animated movies. I think we tried watching E.T. Yours, the, the beginning of E.T. is fucking scary. Yeah, like it's, I, I hadn't seen it since. I, and my my memory of the movie was all the like, oh, we're on a bicycle, Reese's Pieces. But then like the first fifteen minutes before you know he's friendly, like yeah. it's terror. Like there's this, like my little one was like she's like scared shitless. <laughs> like I couldn't show her E.T. Um, and it's just interesting, like the, the the style of filmmaking is very different than what you sort of associate with with Spielberg now. Yeah, but um, but that it, that played more like a. It was shot more like a like a proper thriller at the beginning, and then became cutesy. Yeah, but um, yeah, my kids still we we, we watched. They're a little bit older than yours were when you tried tried to watch it, but uh, the first time they watched, it, I, I never know when I throw old movies in front of my kids because uh, they either get bored quickly or they're uh. they're into stuff that I do not expect them to be into. Et they they ate it up. They loved it so hmm. much. Um, but they were a little scared. I don't mind my kids being a little scared of a movie because it means that they're into it. Yeah, you know, ironically, my, my eldest daughter is the one who gets scared more. And maybe that's just because... And it's funny, certain things, like we were watching this really bad like movie about a ballerina. And at one point, she just starts bawling you her shoot eyes her Black Swan? Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was because the school teacher was being so mean to her. And she was just like... She just... the. She's so empathetic that just she internalized feeling so reje- as rejected, and that just like she was just weeping, and it, it was just because she just felt so bad for the kids. So it's like it's interesting. Whereas, so some of the cer- certain things, uh, like there's that s- stupid horse show called Spirit, and there was something again. It was like because there were these mean girls, and there's just something about that that's real for her. Yeah, and that's something yeah. like some of the fans. She can be watching. Whereas then she started watching. Um, uh, like the new Power Rangers, Ninja Steel, and uh, like that—that's fine. Like you can have these ridiculous things chopping away at each other and doing and stupid stuff. None of that scares her. Because she can separate it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just so ridiculous. But somehow, imagine like a teacher being so mean to you that like and like and that was just like de- so. It's certain. It's funny what will affect which. And then whereas the little one is much braver in terms of she's just only three, but she'll watch. And maybe because she just doesn't, she doesn't have a context for those yeah. feelings necessarily but she'll watch way more sort of adults or like scarier you know stuff um uh yeah like she just you know Nightmare on Elm Street stuff like that uh, <laughs> hilarious <laughs> yeah when my, when my nephews were like five or six I can't remember I took them to see Where the Wild Things Are uh-huh. and have you seen it? I have yeah and there's that great there's that scene in the beginning when um Catherine Keener gets in a fight with the kid and they, they, that fucked them up so bad mm. because that was a real thing. Like that was like a fight between a mom and kids Yeah. where it's like all the violence and other stuff that happens later on in the movie doesn't, didn't affect them at all. And though they, they were laughing, they enjoyed it, mm. but like that like messed them up mm. a little bit. That, Cause it was real. They weren't used to that in kids movies. 
You know, it was, it was fascinating to see that. My daughter, my daughter, uh, who's six now, she gets really, really affected by dramatic moments and just will go from zero to 60 in terms of bawling her yeah. eyes out whenever, like, something happens to a character. Like, we showed them uh, the um, language in the wardrobe. Uh-huh. And, man, when Aslan goes down, whoo! I, I've, I've, I've movie. seen that in, like... Maybe even ever no, I've seen it at some point. I just can't remember. I just when when yeah, no, I can't remember I've ever seen when did it come out? That one? Well they they did they did that, they did Prince Caspian and they did Voyage of Dawn Treader. I just my son um had a mental health day today. Uh-huh. He uh, he called me saying he wasn't feeling good and then really just wanted to come home and watch him. Right. So we we put Prince <clears throat> Caspian on because he and I read it together. We hadn't finished it. And so we hadn't watched the movie yet. I don't think they took very much from that book into that movie. Right. They took a lot of liberty. I don't remember half the shit that was in that movie. Was there a wardrobe? There is, in Prince Caspian, there actually is, in a way that I'm like, I think that's just a throwback to the previous movie, because I don't remember this either. They do escape through a wardrobe, but it's actually just, it leads into a secret hallway. Right. They don't go through worlds in, in the second one. It's literally just where they go to like get the keys to the car, yeah. and then drive <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, they're just hiding something. Yeah. There. <laughs> so funny. So, so I'm gonna have to show this to my kids next, and we'll see what what the uh, what their review is. I'm I, I, as I was watching this, I was wondering about how my son would uh, would feel about this movie because he it's interesting because he gets you know how things look based on the years they were made in, mm-hmm. in special effects, and so he has an appreciation for older movies uh. like this. Going, oh, he understand. He doesn't watch it. Going, oh, it looks bad and boring. It's old. Right. But like he kind of appreciates that. Which is, which is nice. But I'd be curious to see, just to show him this and like, tell me what the story is. <laughs> and, just, and he'd probably be like, well, well obviously, Dad, it's about uh, two, uh, one man's quest for yeah. uh, getting too, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a parable of uh, getting too close to the sun. And, yeah, uh, and David needed his body back. Yeah. I want him to call him David as well. Yeah, it's basically just Icarus. So fun. Well, I like that the, the Rock is killing it with, like, he, he's kind of the new king of uh, action comedy. Because again, he he does a really good job of not taking himself too seriously. Yeah. So yeah. so he fits into this world very nicely. Yeah, he's charming for sure, and like this, that's the. I, mean, I guess that's you know that's the, you know, in that version of of, of Kurt Russell too. It's like charming. Like there's a, the, you know, he, he he's playing that like you know classic kind of like you know Americana buffoon, but. Uh, yeah, but, you could push the, that even further. But The Rock is usually more competent <laughs> in terms of physically, in terms of what he Which is, again, like, what... And <laughs> that'd be actually kind of funny to see The Rock be as physically ineffectual as Jack Burton is in the movie. I mean, I guess Jack does technically kill three people or something like that, but... Yeah, but I love mo- that. I most are by accident. Uh, like, when the gun just... You can't turn off the safety, and then it goes off, and he starts shooting people. I love it when they when they take an actor who's done a lot of, you know, action and movies like that, and they turn on his head. Like, that's what was most enjoyable for me about Edge of Tomorrow with uh, Tom right. Cruise. Like, just him bumbling through the first yeah, half yeah. of the movie is so much fun. Because we've seen him in the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. And all these other things for the last couple of years where he's just this kick-ass action hero. And for him to go, no, I'm going to be the guy that can't do all that stuff now. Yeah. It's just a really fun uh, flip on what we're used to seeing in him. And makes you go, oh, you do have a sense of humor yourself. You, you haven't just become yeah. the staple action dude now. Yeah. So bonkers. <laughs> You're gonna have like neon dreams about this movie. Yeah. 
It's more that it's just like what well, was also as we were watching. It was almost we were we were just pinpointing other little, just how how it also felt like this mishmash of other great '80s stuff. Well, the funny thing is, I didn't actually realize this until this time. When you see the Wolfman from behind, he's even wearing a fucking bandolier. Like Chewbacca. yeah, it looks like Chewbacca. He exactly, looks like like someone who's like. It's not just that they have a giant Wookiee man. It's that they gave him a fucking bandolier. Yeah. So it's like it's a hundred percent meant to be like Chewbacca, and then he turns around and he's got like. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, he looks like the RS is from uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they shot that one scene in the Ghostbusters headquarters. Like the, the angle on the door when they turn around to all those cupboards. Yeah, it looks pretty specific. Yeah, it's the same set anyway. Yeah, because that would have been around the same time. Eighty Ghostbusters is eighty five, right? Something like that. Or eighty three. Yeah. So it's like, and this is eighty six. So it's like, it feels like they had that set up. They hadn't demolished it yet, and it's like, hey, we just need. I don't think it's actually a set that. I think it was actually in a a location. I think. Oh, maybe either. Oh, in that case, would make even more sense why they used. I think so, or at least the or the exterior definitely. Maybe the interior was a set, but I thought just because there was a, they actually did a nod to it in the around like again they could have built it too, but in the new Ghostbusters where they actually took you to that location when they were like, oh, showing which was a terrible movie, but like they showed it to them. I I like the beat where they're like, oh, you could rent this, you know, and. It's like $30,000 a month or something because like... I love that joke. Whereas they get it for like nothing in the in the original movie. Yeah. But like you're getting a full-on fire station for like, I don't know, a thousand bucks a month or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I like that gag. No, uh, it, it probably was a real location. There's definitely the one that's... I watched going, this is... Is the the back lot where they're doing that big giant fight when... Yeah, yeah, that's games. totally set, yeah. You know, people are crashing in out of windows. Yeah. And, <clears throat> And like you know, fists going through doors that are rather thin. Yeah. So how many times have you do you think you've seen this now? Um, ten. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know how many times I saw it as a kid. Like, I could definitely say as an adult, this is probably the fifth time I've seen it. Yeah. Because as a kid, you just rewatch the same yeah. shit over and over and over and over. And again. I also don't know when I became a fan of this to be honest I don't know when I don't know that I saw it when it came out I don't know when I uh, was it like I started I mean there was a time when like when I was like around 20 um when I just watched or like even a little bit I think it was yeah it was just like 1920 I just watched a ton of like I was into like I watched a ton of like black exploitation films I watched a ton of like so B movies just it was just like so I don't know if I got into it then like I know I definitely saw it as a kid but I don't know when I became like and I when I became like a fan of it um, yeah. and like when nostalgia kicked in or like was it maybe it was that like new nostalgia happening when I was 20 or <clears throat> or did I just like it as a teenager I just I really can't remember now it's just sort of a blur like it's it's always been with me yeah and do you find like because the stuff you do is, is very different from this yeah um, do you ever have like an inkling to do something closer to not like this remotely. vibe? No, it's no. like this is nuts. Like it's just, and maybe I just appreciate it. like the humor. Like I think the elements of humor. Like I, th- you know, I think that's one of the things. I, if it, I don't have a lot of patience for B movies that take themselves too seriously. Yeah, but um, this was the I I, I like the self-effacing humor of it um, combined with just. The insanity of its ambition <laughs> for like for like what they're like just or the we don't give a shit like let's let's just have 
<laughs> like, I knew when I was like, yeah, he's like, oh, you're like, this is crazy. They can just do whatever they want. I'm like, you have no idea. Because I'm like, you haven't, yeah. seen, you haven't seen the Wolfman yet. You haven't yeah. seen the Floating Eyeball. You haven't seen the Neon God. The Floating it's, Eyeball. Yeah. yeah, that was my in the middle of the movie. Like, this, they're just doing whatever they want now. Yeah. There's no rules to this world at all. Yeah. Hey, whatever is underground New York, not New York, but um, San Francisco. San Francisco is just, they can literally have anything they want. Which, yeah. which is also fun. Is It's this open-ended sandbox of a universe where uh, and that one ridiculous set with like the giant spider monster that eats one of their guys and just like yeah anything could show but it, like, he, he appeared for like his giant monster like what 18 frames or something it was like, and it's just there's like a whole bunch of stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But the things just randomly pop in and then you never see them again they don't explain no but also what was kind of crazy about it there's the moment near the end where uh, like that the our Chewbacca ROS guy Goes down to uh, Gracie Law, and I swear this is the first time she's introduced to anything like this. She doesn't bat a fucking eye. Like this is just like a normal thing that she's now confronted with. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, like I mean, like her worldview isn't challenged. Yeah, she doesn't like what the fuck is this thing that's at, that, that's in this room now. She's like, oh yeah, no, this is fine. <laughs> no, none of this is weird for me right now. She's like, I dated a guy like that in high school. It's, yeah, exactly. He was hairy. Uh, but that's the other thing that they, they don't really provide a context for you either, uh, is because nobody really bats an eye about any of it. It's like, do they just having, if, if, if all of them, with the exception of Kurt Russell, live in, in uh, Little China, uh, are they all used to this kind of thing? They all know this stuff exists and nobody's, everyone's like, yeah, it's weird, but it's just part of it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm peeling back the onion, the layers of the onion going, how does the, walk me through the, the I mean, day to day. I'm just thinking more like, God forbid you work in like public sanitation, you have to go into those sewers. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. That's what I want, that's what I want uh, The Rock's character to be in the sequel. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. First day on a job in the sanitation worker. And he ends up in the hell of the upside down in that little, uh... Yeah, he flips <sighs> the coin, he draws a short straw, and they're like, oh, you gotta do uh, that... This area, little China. He's like, sure, that's fine. I don't yeah. care. They're like, no, 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 no. Like, what are you guys, a bunch of racists? I'll do Chinatown. And then, like, <laughs> we have just developed the first scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, any other final thoughts? No, not really. I mean, other than I'm scared to see the re- a sequel, but without Kurt Russell, but uh... they've got to drop him in somewhere. Like a movie, I, especially because he's still alive. And there's no way he wouldn't pop in for a couple of days. I'm sure. But I, I, unless it's his death. Like maybe he's dead and like maybe The Rock's his like nephew or something like that. Yeah, I bet you he'd want to die in it. Yeah. <clears throat> Give him the opening scene. But I can't imagine that if they, they if they can find a way to like... I don't think he'd want to stick around for eight weeks of production. Yeah. But I bet you if they can find a way to shoot him out within a week tops, Kurt Russell's going to show up. Yeah. I will. They, they, they've already got my money. Yes, I will. I'll go see it now. Yeah. Uh, so I would need to see this eventually anyway. But I, I'll definitely go pop in, and it's definitely the kind of thing. Depending on the rating, I'll uh, I'll probably get my kid, my my son to watch this with me first and bring him. I <laughs> think he would dig it. Fun. All right. Well, thanks for coming over, man. Thanks for the pin. One, one black hole uh, checked off. One down. We'll do another one. Sweet. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Big Trouble in Little China. 
Another reminder that if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or an Apple podcast or wherever it is you listen to us. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.